Welcome to the JVB Health and Wellness Podcast. Today we are going to talk about calories. That was music by John Belcom, my brother. Love that piece. Love his electronic music, his rock music, everything he does. He can be found at johnbelcom.com. This week, we talk about calories. Calories are something I've never really focused on, particularly as I've gotten healthier. Uh, in the past, I would focus on how many calories I burned during a workout, and everyone always told me that it's all about calories, all about calories, and you know, I should, uh, if I would get less than 3,500 calories, I would lose weight. And if I got more than 3,500 calories a day, I'd gain weight. And, um, you know, I never really found any of that to be true. And when I really transformed my life about 11 years ago and came up with my own program of how to be healthy, which is based on multiple pillars, I realized that it's not just about what we eat and it's not just about calories. It's also about sleeping at least seven hours a night consistently, about moving consistently, about exercising, doing some combination of strength and uh, cardio, uh, keeping your stress and anxiety down, managing your time. All these pillars under my program that you've heard me talk about a lot, I think are critically important. The other thing is that there's no doubt that uh, cal- uh, calories should be differentiated by what type of calorie there are. If you're eating, you've heard, you hear me say all the time, I want people to get as much plants, uh, I call it plant diversity, into their body as possible. So have a variety of different plants. You know, if you have 30 plants a week, you're healthier. Typically, your gut bacteria is healthier. Your microbiome is healthier. You get sick less and depressed less. It's almost like a second brain down there in our gut bacteria. I never had that. I never was a diverse vegetable, fruits, nuts, and seeds, like uh, whole foods, uh, unprocessed eater of those things. And I was sick all the time in the hospital and when I changed my life to eat those things consistently. And it doesn't mean no processed food. It just means I have a preponderance most days of unprocessed food, of whole foods and fiber. And I know when I do that, I eat significantly more calories than most people that uh, don't eat that way. And I still maintain my weight or lose my weight and I'm very healthy. So, and you'll hear some things I read from some articles in this episode about, um, how calories are kind of defined, what are the healthier calories, uh, clearly the unprocessed calories, what, are the, what happens to the body when we, when we kind of eat the more processed or ultra-processed calories. It's interesting, I have found of people that count calories um, are not willing, they really want a magic pill most of the time. They're not willing to do the other things necessary to truly have well-rounded, long-term good health, make the lifestyle changes necessary to prioritize the health I hide up on the list. And so when people come to me and say they're counting calories, um, it almost, I don't think I've ever seen it be successful. If somebody loses a lot of weight on a low calorie diet, their metabolism slows down and lo and behold, when they go back to their old ways, their metabolism slowed down and they put on more weight than they lost. I see this all the time, tons of books out there. We talk about it on this podcast and 
it says 96%, they did some studies at some of the biggest loser things uh, and other places, and uh, something like 96% of people gain their weight back after losing it. And I definitely see that. So the biggest takeaway is, uh, if you know, try and get some good healthy calories into your body most days. And if you are only counting calories to lose weight, it's probably not going to last long term. You really should focus on, uh, you know, managing your lifestyle to try and be able to prioritize health so that you can get healthy foods into your body. Enjoy. Hey, Emilio. Hey, Jim. Can you hear me? Yeah. How you doing? I am doing well. How are you doing? Good. Hey, Charlie. Hi. All right. So, um, so we got this. Cha- I want to talk about a few things today. So we got this challenge going. And I sent around an article uh, by a guy named Dr. Merkin. Do you know him, Emilio? I don't know him. So no. He used to host a radio TV show and everything, or a radio show. And um, he sent around, somebody Somebody in the challenge actually sent me an article that he had sent around called Why Calorie Counting Doesn't Work. And I, it's interesting, you know, I've, I've spent a ton of time researching calories and looking into them. And, you know, I used to, when I used to do my little spreadsheet, when I was in my twenties, I would have a, I would mark down a one for a day. I worked out a zero for a day. It didn't work out. It filled out 365 days a year. And I would on there, I would actually, I had a polar watch. Uh, I love those initial polar watches with the heart rate. Uh, like some of the first ones, 20, 25 years ago. And, uh, and I would write, it would count the cow. Some of them, some of them would count the calories. It might've been only 20 years ago. They had a really cool one with the red screen. And uh, I would write down on my spreadsheet, how many calories I burned. Right. And, uh, so, uh, you know, I've, I've tracked it. I've, I've read all about it. My app currently has not a mention of calories anywhere. And the only time I really focus on calories at this point are for <laughs> endurance athletes that uh, are going to be burning a lot of calories and need to replace those calories else they bonk and they run out of fuel, right? We only have a certain number of calories stored and fat stored. And as you and I know, Emilio, doing our metabolic efficiency training, when we run slow, we're burning more fat than carbohydrates. But at some point, even when you're, even when you look at your crossover point, when you're sitting there and you got your test, uh, from Polly a long time ago, and you you breathed into the th- into the mask, and when you were sitting down, and she measures, you know, what percent of your fat and carbohydrates are you burning, even at rest, you know, you might be burning. I don't know. I don't, remember, I don't know if you remember what yours was, but I suspect it's at least twenty or thirty percent, maybe even a little higher. Uh, you're still burning carbohydrates. You remember what yours was? I, I don't remember, but but that's right. And and yeah, I mean, the thing is with the ultras, right? You got to eat no matter what. You could be the most efficient fat burner and it does help and they, you don't have to eat as much which is nice but you, totally. you, you know you can't go just burn fifteen thousand calories and not and not do some serious eating which of course leads to you know all kinds of uh, stomach trouble but uh but you got to do it you so, say yeah, right so so i i you know for athletes i coach i i ask them to like on their long workouts tell me all right, 
how many calories did you eat before your workout? Um, you know, t- let's estimate, like, what did you eat? Not really some really calories before you worked out, but what did you eat before you worked out? And then how many calories did you put into your body when you were working out? If you're doing a three, four or five hour workout sort of thing, right? That's, that's really the only time I've really been focused on calories and that needs to be dialed in. And if somebody has a high heart rate, when they're working out, they're going to burn more carbohydrates and have to replace more carbohydrates or they bonk. And you used to hear, I think you probably still do here, but, uh, you know, people talk about a marathon and people talking about the wall, you hit the wall at like mile 18 or mile 20. And, you know, a lot of that is often due to, you know, you have depleted all your stores and you bonk, <laughs> which I'm sure you're familiar with, like me, Emilio. In some yeah, races, I mean, somewhere. I, I, well, I think a lot of that, though, is usually when you're racing a marathon, you are taking in some glycogen because you want, you know, you want to be taken from taking it from the glycogen stores. because It's so easy just to pop a gel or whatever you need to do. And you can't just cut that off if you've gotten your body repped and, and, and operating that way. Right. You can't just decide, OK, well, I'm just going to stop now um, or I get, you know, because it's used to going there. I think that's <laughs> that's that's when you bonk. Right. Yeah. And hey, Shruti, how are you? We're talking about calories. And um, one of the challenge participants sent around an article that I sent around last night called Why Calorie Counting Doesn't Work. And we were just talking about um, how really I, I've studied calories extensively. And, I, and, I, and, and actually, it made me into this person when I was wearing these polar watches 20 years ago, where I'd go and do the stair climber at the gym or a run. And I would go harder because I believed that the harder I went, the more calories I would burn because the calorie burn is based on your heart rate, right? So if you have a higher heart rate, you burn more calories. So I always used to believe that that was the way to work out. And if you didn't, the more calories you burned meant it was a better workout, right? And which I know now to be the craziest things on the planet in that when you start to do this metabolic efficiency training, we talked about where you're, you're exercising easier, you're burning more fat versus carbohydrates, you're training, you're training your body to become more metabolically efficient, such that you can eventually go faster as a runner or go on a higher level on the stair climber elliptical at the same heart rate. That's a true measure of improvement. Right. And so that's what that uh, resulted in me doing. And, uh, but I, I, um, really only look at it for, you know, endurance athletes because they have to replace the calories. And, and, you know, when you're doing a marathon or an ultra marathon or even a half marathon, you're doing something that's more than two hours in length. You really need to replace some of the calories you burned or you're going to bonk, which means you're going to crash. You're going to feel real, not good. So, um, it's interesting. There's a guy named Chris McCormick, who's a world-class Ironman. Uh, and he had won every race, really gifted guy. I think he's Australian, maybe Kiwi, but I think Australian, Chris McCormick. And he would do um, Kona every year. He'd qualify for the world championships and he'd never win. And that guy should be winning, right? And so every year, like years, and he's got this great book called uh, by Chris McCormick. It's, it's called I'm Here to Win. Emilio, have you ever read that book? It's a great book. Yeah, I have. Right? Great book, right? I don't know if you remember, but like he he said in the book, yeah, I'm doing the, I'm doing the Ironman, which is in Kona, which runs through lava fields and stuff. And so it's really hot at some point. So it's up and down weather, even though it's in October, I think historically, and people would walk up to him and give him a little tap during the run. Cause he looked like he's a little bonked or, you know, not moving very well. I mean, he's a guy that can run the low fives probably, uh, maybe even in the fours. And, um, 
pace-wise, and people would go up to him, give him a little tap, say, hey, Coke and water, baby, Coke and water. And he'd be like, yeah, Coke and water, that's unhealthy for you. I'm not going to be doing that. I'm not going to have any Coke. What are you talking about? So finally, like, like in his third or fourth year in Kona, everyone's saying Coke and water, he capitulated. And he had Coke during the course. They offer Coca-Cola on the course. It's the best thing ever. It's one of the things I look forward to the most when I do my ultra marathons or my Ironmans because I don't really drink that otherwise. So anyway, so he, Chris McCormick consumes Coke on the course. He wins two Ironmans in a row, world championships in a row. And he has a whole chapter in his book, Coke and Water, it's called, right? Which is pretty amazing because the thing about calories that's important for you know, athletes, endurance athletes particularly, is you want to be consuming things that can be a very quickly absorbed into the body. So you're, you're, you're doing simple carbohydrates and Coca-Cola is a simple carbohydrate. So it gets absorbed very quickly. Whereas if you're having a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or some granola or whatever, it might take your stomach a while to digest it. And particularly when you're doing these ultra marathons, by the time you get to the run, I'm sorry, by the time you're far into the run an ultra marathon or you're doing an Ironman, but you know, your stomach is full of stuff. And you, if you move it around, it's like, it's almost like a kangaroo. You feel stuff moving around in your pouch. So I got this article sent to me. And it says, why calorie counting doesn't work. Now, appreciate what I'm going to say here. Um, there is no question that there is a lot of the world that is incredibly opinionated on this topic of calorie consumption. And some people believe it's no doubt if you, if you consume more calories than you burn, you're going to gain weight. And if you consume less calories than you burn, you're going to lose weight, Right. And um, there are many people that still believe that to this day. And I, I think it's, I'm sure that if you found a group of people and ran a study and you did that, you probably could see some results of weight loss initially. Now, there is a big debate about what happens when you start to restrict your calories and what happens to your metabolism and, you know, kind of everywhere I read. And we talked, we had an episode, uh, JVB Health and Wellness Podcast about metabolism. And one thing that I've read pretty much everywhere is, you know, when we start to eat less and we start to reduce our calorie uh, consumption, um, what happens is our metabolism slows down. And a lot of times what happens is then, yeah, we do lose weight. It's great. And we feel amazing because we're eating less, no question. But the question is, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And can we uh, kind of maintain that weight loss going forward? Uh, a lot of people, there's some, there's a lot of great books out there about this. I think Jason Fung is the guy that wrote the diabetes code is a great, he talks a lot about this. He's got some books on fasting, caloric restrictions and all these things. And like, I mean, my ultimate uh, opinion on it, just in my experience and tracking it for myself and coaching hundreds of people, maybe even over a thousand people now over the last 10 or 11 years is that it depends on calories, but I have not found calories to to be the most important thing as it relates to weight loss as it reports to physical performance uh unless you don't eat enough of them from a physical performance standpoint so um this article says why calorie counting doesn't work a team of 17 internationally recognized scientists published a paper supported by more than 169 journal references and keep in mind people can, can quote whatever they want uh all the time so you got to take this with a grain of salt but um 
So published a paper supported by more than 169 journal references proposing that the current obesity epidemic is not caused by just taking in too many calories. They believe that obesity is caused primarily by hormonal changes brought on by eating refined carbohydrates and sugar added foods. These foods cause a high rise in blood sugar that markedly, one, increases insulin secretion that makes you hungrier, and two, decreases glucagon secretion that functions to make you feel full so you keep on eating. Insulin also causes changes in metabolism that signal fat cells to store more fat. These studies do not recommend restricting all carbohydrates, just those that cause high rises in blood sugar. And it's interesting because I have found the same to be true for myself personally, uh, and I found the same to be true for anybody I coach. People always talk to me about, first of all, when people go out to eat with me and they see what I eat, I mean, my plate is two or three times the size. The amount of food I put into my body is probably two or three times the size of what other people put in their food. Now, I am plant-based, but I consume huge amounts of calories. Now, I also move a lot and I also work out, try try and do an hour a day. But um, there's a book by, um, it's called Eat to Live by Dr. Joel Furman. And he talks a lot about, well, if I just eat whole foods, I eat plants, vegetables, nuts, seeds that are all, we're all unrefined. I can eat as much as I want. I won't gain weight because eventually your stomach's going to be full. You're going to have to stop eating. But um, now I'm sure that somebody could say, well, I could prove you wrong on that, Jim. I'll just go eat so much. It's unbearable. But the amount of food I eat, it's amazing to me that I can eat as much food as I do and I still can maintain or lose weight. And, and, and what's interesting to me is when I, right now I'm hundred percenting pretty much I'm on the challenge and that was not one of my goals. That means I mean, hundred percent unprocessed food and probably of the last, you know, 12 or 13 days, I probably had 10, hundred percent days, uh, where I'm just eating all fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds, things I love. And I just, my body just loses weight and gets leaner real fast when I do that. Uh, and I'm not calorie counting. And uh, I, I have believed for a long time, it's all about gut bacteria. You have all heard me say, getting the uh, diversity of plants into our gut improves our gut bacteria and our gut flora. And it, it improves the way our body handles various things and results in um, people being able to lose weight and maintain the weight loss. I see this all the time. Now, I would also say that weight loss is not just about restricting your calories, having your metabolism slowing down and not being good in other areas. So I'm a big believer in the pillars and well-roundedness where you do need to sleep. You got to sleep seven, seven and a half hours a night. You do need to move consistently throughout the day. You should exercise with some combination of strength and aerobic with probably more aerobic than exercise, particularly if you want to lose weight, you should keep your anxiety and stress down, do your time management planning, all those things. But I think those are all important. This says, what are, unref- so I'm all about what percent of your food yesterday was unprocessed. I'm all, you've heard me say so many times that, you know, if you get 30 or more different plants into your body a week, you're going to have healthier gut bacteria. The challenge we have going on right now, one of the five main criteria is how many plants did you eat in a week? Uh, Emilio, I heard you say last week, you've been excited about trying to find uh, more different plants to eat and find it a challenge. I love that. Me too. I just keep lots of frozen fruit, fruits and vegetables in, and I eat a lot more as a result of that. So what are unrefined, a lot of people ask me this question, what are unrefined and refined carbohydrates? Unrefined carbohydrates are parts of plants that have not been stripped of their other outer coatings, ground up, and otherwise changed before you eat them. Whole fruits, vegetables, 
unground whole grains. We'll talk about that in a second. Beans, nuts, and other seeds. It's interesting that they say unground. I think I think that they're thinking more about flour and other things. I don't think they're thinking about something like ground flaxseed because I've done a ton of, uh, and I, you know, I do ground flaxseed in my oatmeal plus five plus four. The plus four is two to four heaping tablespoons of ground flaxseed. I do that every day. And everything I read said the body has a harder time absorbing the seeds. And, it's, and if you get the ground flaxseed, you'll, you know, you can absorb it a little more easily. So I think that unground whole grains means much more along flour and other things. Uh, refined carbohydrates are plant parts that have had basic components removed or have been ground into flour. All extracted sugars, bakery products, pastas, most dry breakfast cereals, and so forth. So forth. Fruits can contain a lot of sugar, but they are considered unrefined because they have soluble fiber and antioxidants that markedly reduce the rise in blood sugar when you eat them. Interesting. I'm going to stop there, see if anybody wants to jump in, because I want to continue to read some of this. Emilio? Charlie, Chuck, go ahead. Yeah. So any sort of flour, any sort of wheat flour, it doesn't matter if it's been bleached or not. I mean, that's, that is a refined carbohydrate. Yeah. I, I, um, I don't really do many flours. This is, this is my mindset. Okay. We had this conversation last week about your son and I, I released a podcast about that. I don't know if you heard it, but one I gave an introduction at the beginning. It's a great piece by my brother at the beginning of that, by the way, you should check it out. Um, yes, I will. um, but, and I, th I think you were on when Emilio and I talked about it last week, but Emilio said something uh, and he said it much more eloquently than I said it, which is we can't minimize the bad stuff, but we try and get as much good stuff in as we can. Right. And so my theory and the way that I conduct myself, my mindset around food is I'm going to get like, for me, I have a goal of plants every day. I eat my oatmeal plus five plus four. That's going to have at least 10 different plants in it. And I make three to four days of Tupperwares of like, I usually just make up four or five days worth of potatoes, sweet potatoes. And I just take uh, handfuls of different uh, frozen veggies and I put them in different Tupperwares. I had one for lunch today. It was amazing. It had, I put some, I put two types of beans in there, garbanzo beans and black beans. I put um, asparagus in there, corn and peas. And then I took handfuls of the stir fry that have onions and mushrooms and gr green beans and broccoli and three different types of peppers. And, and then I just cut it in avocado. I actually warmed up another sweet potato because I was held, I was hungry and I didn't have enough sweet potato in there. And um, um, I put a white onion in there. It's amazing. I cut some roasted red peppers in there and I had an amazing bowl of food. Right. Um, so, yes, I, I don't do much. I don't do much flour anymore. But if I do eat that kind of stuff, if I wanted to go later to veggie grill or to uh, a bakery that had like I'm plant-based. So I had a plant-based cookie or a plant-based. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to have zero guilt. And I'm going to love it. And I know my body can handle it. And I know I don't gain weight, right? Because I know if I, if I get enough good stuff in my body can handle the bad stuff, right? It's kind of the same mentality for the kids. If you get some good stuff in, it's going to help off. It's going to help balance out some of the bad stuff. Yes. That seems to be the focus of the discussions that we have with him. That's a good focus. We're not looking to be, not looking to be purists, uh, but we are looking to minimize the bad stuff and raise the good stuff. Yeah. Now, as a purist, uh, I'm not a purist either, even though people might think I am. But No, I'm um, not saying that you are. I know you're not. Uh, I know you know me well enough to know that I am not, but I, I want to do the best I can. 
And but if I want to go pig out, get some veggie grill, get a Beyond Burger, get a bunch of processed stuff, I'm doing it and I love it. Now, I haven't done that. One of my goals was to not do that in this two week challenge. And I do feel a billion times better when I eat less processed food. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I've been eating an enormous like I have a sweet tooth. And I don't know. I don't know for Halloween, Charlie, you may remember this over the years, but my favorite Halloween candy is mellow cream pumpkins, the candy corn, but the pumpkins. Right. Those are horrible. I mean, I've been hoping that they're going to have a plant-based one of those for all these years that has gelatin in it, which, you know, so it's, it's an animal product, so I don't eat it. And uh, instead, I just cut, I get these great medjool dates. I can't even medjool dates. I can't pronounce it. But, uh, and I'll have that and I'll cut up some apples and those taste exactly the same to me as it's just a bunch of sugar, right? You know what? When I pig out like that, I don't gain weight. In fact, I might lose weight. When I have those, and I whole, eat a whole bag of mellow cream pumpkins in one sitting, <laughs> which is what I used to do, I, I'm probably going to gain five pounds the next day. <laughs> um, so as, far, as far as our carbohydrates, we are we are ditching the Hungry Jack with the bleached white flour and going a non-gluten route. I mean, I don't have the ingredients right here, but it's uh, I'm guessing it's probably a rice flour or something like that. So we're, we're talking about... That. We're talking about hungry, hungry Jack potatoes. Uh, hungry Jack uh, uh, pancake mix. We're big fans of pancakes over here. Uh, who isn't? Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Um, Emilio, anything to say, Shruti? Before we move on here. Um, no, I mean I think that's all all good. Um, I love the love the whole foods discussion. It's been it's been really inspiring for the challenge for me. Great. How are you doing with your plants? Uh, really well. I did my first week. I came out with over, I did over 50 in my first week. 50 different and ones. 50 different ones. And I I'm would love a to, list for, if you I've wouldn't got, mind, I've writing got, them out. I've got, I've, got a, I've got the list and I'm trying to get to a hundred total for the two weeks, which is more of a challenge because I'm not. A hundred different for ones. For two weeks, over the oh, two weeks. We'll hundred we'll different ones. Well, now you challenge me. It's on. Um, I don't know if I can do that. I got to see. I mean, I had 60 last so, week. Anyway, that, that's been the, the best. Do you happen nice. to have them in front of nice. you that you can read them out for us? That would be. I don't. I'm actually, I'm actually, I'm actually driving. So okay. that, that's, that's why I went out before. Sorry about that. But no problem. Uh, I, I, yeah. I, when I get home um, later, I will send you, I just put it on a, a simple spreadsheet. I'll send you uh, what I got last week. I think it was like 54 or 55, something like that. Please do. Shruti, got anything else before we continue here? Uh, no, I'm good. Uh, I mean, um, the way Indian diets work, it is practically impossible to rule out all forms of carbs, like from refined flour. But I try. <laughs> now, so I've now, switched I... from whole wheat grain to sort of multi-grain wheat, or multi-grain whatever flour. And uh, so I've tried some of these hacks, but I think that's about it. Yeah, and I, and I do want to I do want to point something out. I, I do hear people say all the time, you know, I don't need I don't need carbohydrates, right? Or you made a comment about carbohydrates. I think it's really important to differentiate between refined carbohydrates and um, like whole foods that have sugar in it. I'm going to read it again. Fruits can contain a lot of sugar, but they are considered unrefined because they have soluble fiber and antioxidants that markedly reduce the rise in blood sugar when you eat them. Fascinating. I got more to read here. Uh, and Shruti, you also had a spectacular week last week. I'm just pulling up your stats here for a, a moment. 
you hit you had an MCS goal of six and your average was 1.71 a day. That means that you less your average, you average less than two hours a day. We didn't have 300 steps. Does that sound right? That's about right. Yes. That yes. is a, that is amazing. Given where I think back to when you and I first started working together for the marathon years ago, and that number would have been it was 11 to 14 every day, you know, and you hit all your steps goals. So I'm, I diverge here for, I digress here for a second, but I just want to say great job on that. Your average number of steps a day were almost 15,000 and your non-exercise steps it says 13,000. I got to check that number, but that's, that's, that's impressive. Very impressive. Thank you. Okay. So, um, you need carbohydrates. Hey, Jim, Jim. Yes, sir. Can I say one more thing? Because we were talking about, um, you know, not being, uh, either being a purist or, or, sorry, not being a purist and not being too hardcore about it. But um, just for those people who may want to be hardcore about it, um, I, I'll, I'll say that I've noticed that for people who are looking to either lose a lot of weight or really completely change their health profile, the fastest and most kind of effective uh, approach I've, I've seen in multiple people and multiple times is somebody who literally decides for the next month or two, I'm not going to eat any um, refined sugars or carbohydrates. I'm just going to cut it out completely. Now, again, that's extreme and, and that could be pretty hard to do, especially for the first couple of weeks. But I will say the results, I mean, again, I've had multiple friends who've just dropped an incredible amount of weight, gotten their um, resting heart rate in a much better place, gotten their glucose down, um, addressed all kinds of issues really quickly just by saying, okay, no more bread, no more pasta, and no more sugar. Again, that, I, I know that's extreme, but I'm just pointing out that if you were looking for a very quick way to make some big changes, that does seem to have a, a very uh, immediate and uh, startling effect on one's, <laughs> one's uh, you know, numbers. I'm so glad that you jumped in to say that. And I, I, I want to I wanna comment on that. And I want to I, I guess I have to accept that I am extreme. Uh, <laughs> uh, we all know that, right? But I'm not too hard on myself. I should have clarified, right? I'm just going to talk about when I started, when I changed my life 11 years ago, I saw a PBS show about a doctor, about, an, about a guy who watched a show about a doctor who had like heart disease and he had a bunch of blockages. And that doctor went on a plant-based diet and that, and that, uh, based on a suggestion and, you know, he reverses heart disease and he had many other amazing results from it. So I was out on a run. I was before I was going to do my first Ironman. And I said to my wife, I said, I'm going to go on a plant-based diet. Shut the F up. You're not, <laughs> what you are from Wisconsin. You eat chicken and meat and potatoes and no vegetables every day. What do you mean? You're going to eat all vegetables, whatever. So I, I knew I didn't want to change for the Ironman. I did the Ironman. And, and after the Ironman, I said, you know what? I'm preparing myself. It took me five days of pigging out and preparing myself. And I went on a plant-based diet. And I also cut out uh, some other things that I knew 
made me feel horrible, which was bread, rice, and pasta, uh, actually. Um, and I cut out dairy completely. And so, um, and I lost seven pounds in the first week. And uh, somebody comes up to me and they says, you dude, you're a vegan. It's like, what? I'd heard that term. This is 11 years ago, but I didn't know what it meant. And uh, nobody, most people don't know what it meant. And I said, like, all right, whatever. I don't need a label, right? But I kept going. I lost 30 or 40 pounds in like two months, right? And uh, I was very strict. I did not go off any of those things. And in 11 years, I have not, I still am 100% plant-based and I have not swayed at all. I have not had any animal products except for a couple of times when somebody have served me something and I asked the question, oh, it doesn't have any milk in there. And then, oh yeah, milk. Oh yeah, it's got milk in there after it's like I drink it or whatever. So, um, but so to Emilio, to your point, like I did go aggressive and I was very committed. And that's why you see some of these people go on one month or three month, like 90 day type of uh, diets. The challenge is that 90 and the commentary I want to have is the challenge is that I would say 98 to 99% of people can't find something that's sustainable. And so they go and they lose all that weight, right? But they don't do something that's sustainable and they, and, and it's not enjoyable to them. So it's like a lot of times very miserable to them. And so they go right, right back right. to their other ways. Right. And so right. it's all about enjoyability in my mind. One of my uh, questions on my app is, did you enjoy your workout today? And I have people that sometimes answer that question, particularly when I first start coaching them. No. And right away I focused on that. Well, listen, man, you know, we, if we don't find something that's enjoyable for you, you're never going to sustain this. If you tell me, I got people that I coach that eat zero plants. And when I tell them greens and beans, baby, when I tell them like have a bunch of veggies, they're like, I don't like any of that. Yuck. Yeah. Right. And then they might hold their nose and they might have some for a little bit, but it's not sustainable. Like I am fortunate enough to, and, I, and I'm not making this, I love what I eat. I love the way I live my life with my exercise and my movement. My numbers are obscene, right? I do move a lot, right? But I, for me, it's natural now. And I have no pain in my bodies. I don't get hurt. I am not in the hospital with Crohn's flare-ups. So I have found something that is sustainable for me. So to your point, like if you need a kickstart, you should go, you know, what we're calling extreme or purist where you're, you're being, you know, more strict, but you have to find what works for you. Emilio. Yeah. And, and that's great. And I, and I think that uh, part of the reason to do it is because you can figure out which things you can live with and which you can't like to your point, what, what is sustainable? I mean, I, I've definitely been surprised with certain things that were no problem for me to just give up and never, never eat again. And then also surprised by some things where I found, you know what, I, I, I really miss that or I'm having, I'm having a problem. I, I'm going to limit it, but I'm going to incorporate it. So I think one of the nice things about doing that is you go 90 days and realize, you know, I don't really crave or have any interest in desserts or whatever it may be. That's kind of a nice thing to know. <laughs> and because it means it's sustainable for you to keep it out um, at this, by the same token, if you're like, there's no way I'm never having pizza. You know, I'm going to allow myself to do that once a week or once a month or whatever it is. That's, you know, that's good to know, too. Totally. I don't like to talk about myself. I don't have ever given that much detail on my background, but I will say that before I, my current job, I've been in my current job 13 years. I worked at uh, Goldman uh, and I worked a lot of hours and we had the drink carts they would bring over <laughs> sodas 
teas, everything, you know, and, and we could order food because we were working long hours and, you know, slowly but surely, you know, my late thirties, which is really where it really starts to happen. My weight starts to trickle up. My blood work starts to get bad, much worse. I get start to get sick a lot more for Crohn's. I'm in the hospital a lot more. And so, you know, at some point I, I had to say when I left my last job, I had to say, like, what can I do to get healthier? Right. And I never would have imagined ever. I grew up in Wisconsin and used to drink a half a gallon of a gallon of milk every day, you know, eat cheese, cottage cheese, all kinds of cheeses. I love all that. Right. I do not miss it at all. Not at all. Because if you can actually, when I left Goldman, I weighed probably 40 to 50 pounds more. And when you look in the mirror and you weigh 40 or 50 pounds more, you, you sometimes don't even recognize yourself. And it's like, you're maybe not proud to look in the mirror anymore. You know what I mean? And so when I actually figured out something holistic, you know, that could actually have me lose weight and feel better and be proud to look in the mirror every day, that's a pretty amazing thing, right? Somebody said in the challenge, I think it was Shireen said in the challenge this past week after the first day, I can't remember if I talked about this last week. She said, for the first time in months, I have no pain. To find something holistic where you can like live in all these different pillars and have no pain after one day, that's a magic pill, right? But people have to be open-minded and people have to find a routine and consistency that they can sustain that works for them. Anything else on that, Emilio? I know. I think it's good. Okay. Um, I'm going to read this. You need carbohydrates. Carbohydrates are usually the main source of energy for our bodies to function, while protein provides amino acids to grow and repair our cells. Carbohydrates are sugars in singles and combinations of up to millions of sugars bound together. Humans can absorb only single sugars. Most unrefined carbohydrates contain many sugars bound together, and we lack the intestinal enzymes to break them down. Most of the carbohydrates in vegetables, unground whole grains, beans, nuts, and other seeds cannot be absorbed from the upper intestinal tract, so they pass all the way to the colon where the bacteria do have the enzymes to ferment them and break them down to short-chain fatty acids. These byproducts of fermentation by bacteria in the colon cause good bacteria to grow in the colon, which, is, which reduce inflammation that contributes to heart attacks, diabetes, cancer, and obesity. They also lower high blood pressure, high blood sugar, and cholesterol. The takeaway to me is uh, your body is meant to eat whole foods and is not meant to eat this process and ultra processed stuff too much. Now, the body can weather it. I mean, somebody might say to me, yeah, Jim. Uh, somebody lives to be 80 and they never paid attention to any, any of this and you might only live to be 60, right? So, but it is person by person and we do play probabilities and it is about quality of life also. Evidence linking refined carbohydrates and obesity. Overweight people who eat mostly whole foods rather than processed foods can lose weight without counting calories or restricting portion sizes. A study from Stanford showed that restricting processed foods, particularly added sugars or other refined carbohydrates, is more important for weight loss than going low carb or low fat. A study, I'm going to read it again. A study from Stanford showed that restricting processed foods, particularly added sugars, and other refined carbohydrates is more important for weight loss than going low carb or low fat. A study from the University of Aberdeen showed that eating whole plants rather than refined plant foods, such as those made from flour or with added sugars, results in far more healthful 
intestinal bacteria than a diet with high protein or added amino acids. Fast, fascinating. The recommendations from the, art, the guy that wrote this article, he said, what you eat may be far more important than how much you eat. No question. Check, for, check on that for me. It's all about trying to put as much healthy stuff as, as I can into my body. And I eat an obscene amount. Obesity increases risk for heart attacks, cancers, diabetes, and premature death. We all know that. Counting calories or trying to limit portion sizes have been repeatedly shown to fail to control weight in the long run. You see that all the time. You see the swings up and down. A lot of times people gain more weight after they lose it because they, they're, they've, they've, they've slowed their metabolism levels down that they can't speed back up. Uh, studies on colon bacteria are showing that eating lots of unrefined carbohydrates from plants and avoiding refined carbohydrates such as sugar-added foods and drinks and foods made from flour can help people lose more weight and keep it off. And then he says, I recommend eating plenty of vegetables, beans, whole grains, nuts and seeds, and whole fruits. That all sounds good to me. It sounds good to me, too. I also went and took a look um, for Harvard, uh, and I went to do a search for um, counting calories. And, um, you know, there's an article from October 20, October 1st, 2020 from Harvard that says, stop counting calories. Put the focus on food quality and health, healthy lifestyle practices to attain a healthy weight. Most people have been taught that losing weight is a matter of simple math, cut calories, specifically 3,500 calories, and you lose a pound. But as it turns out, experts are learning that this decades-old strategy is actually pretty misguided. The idea of a calorie in and a calorie out when it comes to weight loss is not only antiquated, it's just wrong, says this doctor from Stanford, an obesity specialist and assistant professor of medicine and pediatrics at Harvard Medical School. The truth is that even careful calorie calculations don't always yield uniform results. How your body burns calories depends on a number of factors, including the type of food you eat, your body's, body's metabolism, and even the type of organisms living in your gut. That's why you hear me so much talk about the gut bacteria. You can eat the same exact number of calories as somebody else, yet some yet have very different outcomes when it comes to your weight. Not all calories are created equal. There's three main factors uh, that affect how your body processes calories. One, your gut microbiome. Trillions of organisms live in your gut, and the predominant types may influence how many calories your body absorbs from food. Researchers have found that people who are naturally thin have different types of organisms living inside them than those who are overweight. Taking the gut bacteria microbiota out of people who are lean and placing it in people who have overweight or obesity can result in weight shifts, says a doctor from, from Stanford. This may occur because some types of organisms in the gut are able to break down and use more calories from certain foods than other types of organisms. Your metabolism. Each body has a set point that governs weight. This set point reflects several factors, including your genes, your environment, your behaviors. Your hypothalamus, a region of the base of your brain that also regulates things like your body temperature, stands guard to keep your body weight from dipping below that set point, which is not really a bonus if you're trying to lose weight. This is why you might find your weight plateauing even if you are diligently dieting and exercising, and also why a majority, 96% of people who lose a large amount of weight, regain it, 96%. Researchers studying the show, The Biggest Loser, which helps contestants lose large amounts of weight through a stringent plan of diet and exercise, found that after weight loss, contestants' bodies would fight back in an attempt to regain the weight. 
The resting metabolic rate for contestants, which measures the number of calories the body uses just running its everyday functions, plummeted after their dramatic weight loss. This means it became very challenging to avoid regaining some of the weight because of the metabolic adaptation. Three, the type of food you eat. Your food choices may also influence your calorie intake, and not just because of their specific calorie count. One 2019 study published in Cell Metabolism found that eating processed foods seems to spur people to eat more calories compared with eating unprocessed foods. In a study, 20 people, 10 men, 10 women, were split into two groups. They all were offered meals with the same number of calories as well as similar amounts of sugar, sodium, fat, fiber, and micronutrients. But there was one key difference. One group was given unprocessed foods. The other was given ultra-processed foods. After two weeks, the group switched and ate the other types of diet for the following two weeks. People who ate the ultra-processed food gained weight. Each group was given meals the same number of calories and instructed to eat as much as they wanted, but when the participants ate the processed foods, they ate 500 calories more a day on average. The same people's calorie intake decreased when they ate the unprocessed food. What's the lesson? Not all food is created equal. The brain likes food that are healthy, that are in their natural form. So very, very interesting. This, um, any comments? Still awake. So what happens when you plateau? Hey. Um, what happens when you, in one of the scenarios, you mentioned that two people may be eating the same kinds of food, yet, it, you know, one person may plateau and the other one might still be on a weight loss kind of a trajectory. So uh, what do uh, you do? What do you change up? So... I, I think the answer to that is it depends. If you take somebody who's at a pretty healthy weight, plateauing might not be a bad thing. I always say your weight is going to go where it's bound, where it should go if you're living healthy. And a lot of people, when they start following my program, the well-rounded program, they just lose weight and they're surprised by how much weight they lose. But it, it does come down to, in my opinion, how, how much, how, how adherent one is to the different pillars. And if, if somebody's telling me, like I've coached people that plateau at 230 pounds when they should be 180 pounds, right? And my response to that plateau would be, you know, 230 is still not a healthy weight and you need to do more things to get to a healthy weight. And you cannot use the excuse that my hypothalamus is causing my, my hypothalamus is causing my, uh, my, causing my uh, weight to plateau, right? So that's why I say it depends. I don't think we should use that as an excuse. I have never in all the years I've been doing this seen somebody that has dedicated themselves to the pillars and has been all in for their health and prioritize their health, not lose the weight uh, they want to lose. I think I think I always say losing weight's easy. Now, if they don't lose weight, there is always a reason. Right. And the, and, and sometimes I see people be perfect, not perfect, but very, very good, if if not super super good to most of the pillars, but they have a lot of stress and anxiety and the stress and anxiety changes hormonals, hormones in the body and causes hormonal issues. And, and then it's also hard to lose weight. So I think it depends. I don't know if that answers your question, Shruti. Somewhat, yeah. Now, if you're at your healthy weight and you're plateauing, then I think it's fine to plateau. I think if you're not at your healthy weight and you can't lose weight, no, no matter what, not you, but one or you, uh, then there is a reason. And the question is what the reason, what the reason is for me, um, the, the reduction in then, and then the elimination of dairy was one of the biggest weight things for me. 
Like I was surprised that when I cut dairy out, how much leaner I felt. And sometimes I'll just have a conversation with people I coach. And I say, I have one recommendation. It's not, it's not always every person like this, but one recommendation, like um, how much dairy do you consume a ton? Just try and cut that out for a while or significantly reduce it. And very often people come back and they say they've lost a lot of weight when they've done that. They, they have their inflammation in their body reduced. So it's not for everybody. Some people can drink a lot of, uh, dairy or eat cheeses and they're fine. We heard Bob say he lost 35 pounds and he was still having cheeses, but he was still eating on sort of 80, 80% unprocessed. So if you're eating mostly unprocessed, your body can weather that other stuff also. So I don't want this to be that absolute. And for, for me, I am a absolute type of person. And I know that if I go into in and out and have a cheeseburger tonight, which I haven't done in 11 years, that that's going to start me down a slippery slope, like, like drug addicts. And I'm not going down that slope because I like where I'm at. Any other comments or questions on any of this? The calorie discussion? I, I also, I said this before, but again, as someone who doesn't have a huge uh, sweet tooth, I'm always amazed uh, after two weeks of completely cutting out sugars, how little you crave sugar and how sweet like a blueberry tastes. I agree. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm into like a week and a half of pretty much cutting it out and uh, I already like don't miss it at all. You know what I mean? Like when you first cut it out, though, you really miss it, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And not only that, but if you cut it out and then you have a piece of pie or something, um, you know, you could start to crave it right away again. It's very interesting. It's interesting. So, um, you know, we did, did the challenge. And one of my big things, one of my big challenges is like I buy that um, unprocessed Trader Joe's orange juice, which is spectacular. Uh, it tastes like freshly squeezed orange juice. It's they don't do anything to it, right? And but if it's in my house, my kids drink it. I'll have a little bit of that. Uh, it's almost like you know. So one of my goals is not not to. Ha I think I said I I don't, I don't want to have it more than like three times over fourteen days. I've had it zero times, right? So that's like that's big for me, right? And when I went into the challenge, I was like I didn't think I could do it because I was pretty much very used to eating it. And we were also talking about Thanksgiving. We're gonna order a bunch of pies from. Uh, from Whole Foods has some great plant-based pies, pumpkin pie, all kinds of different pies. And uh, a week and a half ago, when I started the challenge, I was like, oh, I can't wait. But I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to be really good up until then. You know what I mean? I'm going to do these challenges. It's going to keep me from eating as much sugar. I know I feel better. I know I'm leaner. I know my blood works better. Right. But um, now, now that I'm a week and a half in, I now have in my head, I think I could go through Thanksgiving right now and not have it. Right. And I, I'm probably still going to have it, but I might avoid, I might not have it. Cause I just might not want it. Like, cause I just want to have the need, you know? So that's, it goes along exactly to what you were talking about. Even though I love yeah. pumpkin pie. I don't know if you've ever had this stuff called cocoa whip. Have you ever had any cocoa whip? <laughs> I don't think I have. <laughs> <laughs> it's a plant-based uh, cool whip. Cocoa whip. It's oh, okay. And, and Trader Joe's has a great like ready whip. That's totally plant-based. Like in the ready whip can basically, that is really unbelievable. But, you know, all right, well, Charlie, I have two minutes left and we didn't get to Alex today. I mean, I guess the only comment I would make on Alex is that, it, it, you know, I struggle a lot with you're going to be surprised. I say this with with data because some people can handle data and use it as an accountability tool. That happens to be me. But I coach lots of people 
that can't be accountable to data or aren't willing to do what's necessary to be able to see that data. Most of the time it's because they just don't want to deal with it or they don't, they're not interested in learning about the data and, you know, being accountable to it, or it's just not of interest to them. And I would say with Alex, who's 11 years old, yes, we want him to move more. And yes, you want to get some measurements on him. Um, the good thing right now is, is all he has to do is wear that, Garmin watch. And if he's wearing it for a couple of weeks, I actually think getting a benchmark on what his normal movement is right now is fine. So if you either have to teach him how to sync it, which just has to hold down the button with the Garmin connect app open, there'll be a green light and you'll see it sync, have him, have him sync it. Or when he's with you during the week, you just go and do it. And you just got to put a reminder. I don't know if you use this. I use the Apple messages i just say hey siri set this reminder for every wednesday at 2 p.m and it shows up and it does it and then it's like a to-do list that pops up on my phone i love it um but that that's what i would say that should be the next step for alex you asked a question how often should you be syncing your apple watch and my answer to that is it depends on what your goals are it always depends but if you if you were setting an mcs goal and i don't believe we set for the challenge an mcs goal for you right you 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 said let's gather some data first and then we'll set it i think that's right yeah this you, is more more or less a uh, a test run for me for right. the next challenge i would like to see you starting on november 10th like you and i will talk a couple days before and i would like to set some goals for you and when you have goals if you want to achieve those goals uh and you want to be competing against other people in the challenge just to make make your goals then you will you should be launching that app you were an apple watch you gotta launch my app and it just syncs you know and should be checking it just to make sure you don't have too much red on there you know yeah my final comment will be uh alex is enthralled with the way that his watch checks his steps we did that. We, took, we took a walk down and got some gelato this afternoon and so uh so he's interested in that now we'll go over syncing a couple more times but he was successfully able to do it himself this afternoon he yeah. has a goal he has a goal of participating in the track and field team in the spring so oh. i would like to narrow down some of those goals and what he can do to uh to to prep for that because you can go into into track and field you know raw and fresh but you're going to have d- disappointing results well, the better shape you're in hitting track season, the better uh, you might do. But I'll tell you what, me going in track season in junior high and high school, I, I will now never forget the first couple of days of practice, not the practice, but the unbelievable pain of not being able to walk and sitting in a bathtub and not even be able to get out of the bathtub because my legs were so sore because I didn't go into practice uh, Absolutely. in shape. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Uh, so, and I was a sprinter. But yeah, that would be a turn off for him. Yeah, but it's going to happen. Don't tell him that. But it's going to, it's going to, we're going to get sore from it and then we'll get over it. Right. And a good coach, a good coach will, um, you know, will, will be able to find the right event for him. It does remind me of my track coach from high school that you and I were talking about this week, Mr. England. He did pass away this, this last two weeks ago, which is just devastating. He was 78 years old, a great guy. He was a big mentor to me in high school. And I'll never forget I ran it in every respect. Yeah, I ran this race in Milwaukee. And I was a fairly good hurdler and I was developing and uh, I finished this race. It was like the county championships. It was a bunch of, bunch of kids from Milwaukee that were fast hurdlers. And he, he put his fa- hand, hand up five, 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 one, 15, one, which was a PR for me at the time. That's a fast time. And I'll never forget him running up to me and the excitement he had for that achievement for me. Right. Yeah. That's what a good mentor does. Yep. So absolutely. it's r- really sad he passed away. Anyway, guys, I got to go take my kids to gymnastics now. Uh, Shruti, I'm sorry we didn't get a chance to talk. I, we have like one minute if you have anything you want to say. 
I'm proud of you for how you're doing and for your exercise. You really have taken it to the next level. So clearly a little competitive challenge for you is working. Any comments? Well, this week is going to be hard. Uh, a, you know, Tuesday was off for us, so I didn't have access to the gym. And then tomorrow is Diwali, so. <laughs> what know. am I supposed to say? Happy Diwali? Or how, how does one express their, you know? Yeah, do, happy yeah. Diwali. Happy yeah, Diwali. Yeah. So I'm looking yeah. at your, your goals. And, you know, you set a goal of three days of exercise a week. You're still going to hit that, yes. I take it, right? So let's not let's not so. be so perfectionist that if you have a couple <laughs> bad days that you're still not achieving your goals. We set these goals for you to attain them. The biggest thing I'm seeing uh, in the people and the way they set these goals is that all these people are traveling now. They're having like meetings with people now and everything. It, it's just like happening just like that. And I'm saying to like people, did you know that you were going to travel? One guy's, you know, set his goals first week uh, one way, second week traveling. But I have many other people probably at least three or four or five other people in the challenge that are traveling a lot and they didn't set their goals for the travel. So and now they're going to miss. And I would say, look, set realistic goals. And, you know, you have goals, Shruti, and you're still going to make your goals this week. You hit every one of your goals last week. Is that right? Did you miss any? I, I did. No, no, none. That is huge. So proud of you. Yeah. That is, that so is huge. My, the, the gym is the only uh, issue because uh, I don't have access to gym by my so weekends I don't have access to the gym at all uh, so I'm bound by Monday to Friday but other than that I can't tell you you know it's just amazing how people think up of changing in their routines like now if I have to go up to four or five floors today down and I had to go to pick up some equipment I took the stairs I would not take the elevator I, um, if I have to, there were a couple of meetings um, that I was attending on Zoom. I just turned off my camera and, um, you know, for 15 minutes, I was just uh, pacing, you know, kind of doing my steps just in, in, in place. And Love it. Uh, so, you know, yeah, you kind of, you do things that you can, but some of these things that I can't, uh, you know, I, I don't know, uh, we will see if I can hold up my my gym routine this uh, this week well uh i agree with everything you said the only thing is I, i'm gonna say this you know what we can create a gym like what street do you live on now Are you up in the hundreds now or you're farther north right 89th okay you could you could do a walk down to 72nd street transverse and walk up and down those belvedere stairs for 15 minutes you know what i mean you could just go find some other steps. That's what I do. I've been doing that a lot over the last week. Emilio, I forget how really good stair climbing is to improve our overall fitness. I had the huge jump in fitness when I started doing more stair climbing. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> um, just to beat your legs up too. But uh, it's good to change it up, right? So you can walk over to those Belvedere stairs, do 15 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever you feel. And even true to if you just walk up and down those stairs, walk up. Walk down, walk up, walk down. Your heart rate might not go that high, but you know, five minutes in, your heart rate's going to be higher. Ten minutes in, it's going to be higher, and that's exercise. And remember, the purpose of exercise is to elevate the heart rate to give the body, you know, that 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 thing that it needs. It needs it. Yeah, yeah. Or you go up to Columbia and walk up and down some stairs, good stairs up there too. All right, Charlie. Anything else? 
Uh, no, that's pretty much it. Uh, I'll check back in with you soon. Please. So good to see you. Uh, thank you guys for joining, and uh, we'll be in touch. Keep up the great work. Take care, everyone. Thank Thanks, you. Bye. Bye. Bye.